Good afternoon, and welcome to the Eco News Report. I'm your host this week, Stephanie Tidwell, Executive Director of Friends of the Yale River. The Eco News Report is an exclusive feature of KHSU brought to you by the North Coast Environmental Center, publisher of our regional environmental newspaper, The Eco News. Don't forget that you can call this show and other KHSU public affairs shows on the audio archives page at khsu.org. My guest today is Scott Greeson, also of Friends of the Eel River. Welcome to the interviewee seat here at Eco News Report today, Scott. Thanks, Steph. It's good to change perspectives. I'll try not to be too hard on you. So today we're going to talk about the most recent developments going on with the Eel River dams. And the big news here is that Pacific Gas and Electric, the utility that owns and runs the two Eel River dams, made headlines last week when the company announced it would soon be deciding whether to sell the dams or surrender their license altogether. We've known for the better part of a year that PG&E doesn't really want to keep the Eel River dams. The much more important and interesting question is what PG&E intends to do with them. Spokesman David Moeller suggested last Friday that PG&E could surrender its license to the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, abandoning the relicensing process it just spent a year starting. While this might initially sound like a phenomenal opportunity to finally get these fish-killing dams and diversions out of our river, it's extremely unlikely that that's what actually developing behind the closed doors where this plan is being cooked up. What appears far more likely is that representatives of local governments, including Humboldt County's supervisor, Estelle Fennell, are angling to turn the Eel Russian River Commission into an agency capable of acquiring the Potter Valley Project. The obvious reason for Sonoma and Mendocino County agricultural interests to seek to retain the Eel River dams is to continue the diversions of Eel River water. There's also a lot that's extremely unclear in this picture, as inquiries to the likely involved parties have been met with carefully worded denials or glib assurances that it's all going to be great. What is clear is that there is no reason for Humboldt County to want to keep in place dams that divert ill water and kill ill over salmon and steelhead. So why is Humboldt County, as Supervisor Estelle Fennell, as chair of the Eel Russian River Commission, helping to engineer Sonoma County's water grab from the Eel River. And so I'm going to pass this over to Scott to tell you a little more about what's going on behind the scenes. What's at stake here, Scott? Well, above all, when we're talking about the the two dams that are commonly called the Potter Valley Project, but they're dams on the Eel River, the Cape Horn Dam and the Scott Dam, what we're talking about is the fate of Chinook salmon and steelhead, winter and summer steelhead above all. And we're talking about about a tenth of the upper Eel River, the main stem, and really some of its most important habitat that's now either buried underneath that reservoir and inaccessible to fish because they can't get up over Scott Dam or behind the reservoir up in the upper reaches of the the watershed. And really, you know, what's at stake here, not to put too fine a point on it, is the survival of these fisheries. They are likely to go extinct 
if we maintain the dams in place and don't substantially alter their operations. In fact, it's pretty likely that we're going to lose them if we don't get the dams out, especially Scott Dam. We need that decent habitat to rebuild the populations, especially of steelhead, but also of Chinook salmon. And those fish are now listed by the federal National Marine Fisheries Service is threatened, but their actual condition is a lot closer to critically endangered, as we've reviewed several times on this show in the past couple of years. The combination of drought and climate change, increased water diversions, and really serious land use impacts in the rest of the eel has left us with really this upper main stem eel as the place where we've got the best chance to hold on to the fish and to, to really bring them back. A lot of that is because it's federal public land, the Mendocino National Forest, above the dams. And these problems and these struggles are not recently developing things. There's a lot of history here in this fight yeah. over the Eel River waters. Can, can you yeah. talk a little more about Sure. That? And when these dams were built... And that was first in 1908 for the Cape Horn Dam, the lower dam, and then in the early 1920s, 1920 through 22 for Scott Dam. A lot of the the values and concerns we have today maybe weren't at the forefront, but we had already at that point developed and then lost a commercial canning industry at the mouth of the eel that was at its peak probably taking upwards of a million fish a year in its big years. Since then, the dams, along with the heavy bouts of logging in the 20th century, really degraded the ability of the river to support substantial numbers of fish. And after the dams were relicensed in the late 1970s, was their first relicensing, the salmon got listed finally. And because... Uh, the combination of that federal license and the federal listing for the fish, substantially tighter operating controls were put on the dams. So they had to finally start releasing flows into the eel that more closely approximate what the natural flows would be. But those those management controls, that what's called the reasonable prudent alternative, basically just mitigate the impacts of the dams. They don't really make up for the overall loss of habitat and above all, you know, the increase in impacts from things like the introduced pike minnow, which is doing really, really well in habitats reshaped by the dam. All of this comes at tremendous cost to commercial fishers, you know, people who would be fishing in the ocean if we had a, a lot more fish, to the recreational fishing industry that we used to have in the eel in a really big way, and of course to tribal communities who've depended on these fish for tens of thousands of years. And we're really talking about cultural survival here if we lose these fish. And so once again, we have one of these 50-year opportunities to evaluate and chart the future for the Eel River and these decrepit dams through a relicensing process, which is, for anybody that's ever dealt with, not a particularly public-friendly process. So perhaps you can share with the listeners a little bit more about what we and other stakeholders have been doing within the FERC relicensing process over the past year. Yeah, it's kind of complicated, and I'll try to boil it down quickly, but 
really what it comes down to is a federal agency that's oriented to electric power production, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. So what they want to do is basically put out a license that keeps this place in operation. What needs to happen, according to the law, is a thorough evaluation of the actual impacts on the environment of the dam, of operating the dam, and and really a fresh look at the impacts of the dam on especially these listed fish, the Chinook salmon and the winter and summer steelhead. Part of that is looking at what the dam is doing in terms of creating a, a mercury hazard in the sediments under the dam. What we have seen, though, in, in terms of the process so far, is a federal agency that really wants to turn a blind eye to these impacts to the extent it can and is only going to, to really look at the possibility of removing these dams if and when the federal agency in charge of protecting salmon and steelhead, the National Marine Fisheries Service, tells FERC and Pacific Gas and Electric, the dam owner, that it has to provide fish passage over Scott Dam, which is 130 feet tall. That's going to be very expensive. And when the state water board, which is responsible for water quality protection, imposes real restrictions on any potential license to protect water quality, especially from mercury in the, in the, the reservoir sediments like I'm talking about. So once that happens, and that won't be for another couple of years in the FERC process, then we would in theory get to a place where PG&E would start to look at the costs of this overall situation and say, okay, maybe we should move to decommissioning. Now, at the same time that we've been doing this FERC relicensing process, we have also been meeting with a bunch of other Eel River stakeholders and Russian River stakeholders, people whose interest is primarily in the water that's diverted from these dams over to Potter Valley and then into Lake Mendocino. And we've been meeting with them under the auspices of Congressman Jared Huffman's office to try to figure out some kind of scenario where we could get these dams removed get some protection and and real recovery prospects for Eel River salmon, but maybe still provide some diversions from the eels' winter flows, which are really substantial, to try to keep some of the folks in especially the Potter Valley area from suffering really serious impacts from a total cutoff in their water supplies. That's that's how we got to here today is basically we've been going through this formal process that frankly doesn't seem all that promising. It's supposed to work, but never actually has, but also doing this informal process that seemed actually fairly promising, like we had some prospects for a win-win solution here on the table, but. <laughs> right. So we have the situation where there's an agency capture issue of the agency that's supposed to be regulating the industry being so friendly to the industry that it's it's an incredibly high bar to actually insert conservation and even damn safety issues right. into the conversation. And you know, we could have a whole show about the stalling and blocking on even letting us know what's going on with the damn safety issues at the Eel River Dams. Right. That's a, a whole other piece that FERC doesn't even want to consider in, in relicensing. And yeah, it's complicated, but it's really important. But, but the big thing that we want to talk about here today 
is the other thing that's going on behind right. the scenes. And it's become increasingly apparent that the counties are willing and even eager to take on the significant liabilities of these dams that PG&E is starting to get nervous about. And and what we're seeing here is, is a real appetite for risky business on the taxpayer dime. Yeah, it looks like it. So what happened basically last week is at the Eel Russian River Commission meeting here in Eureka, Pacific Gas and Electric came to the meeting and said, we're going to decide in the next two months what we're going to do with these dams. And we've already known, as your intro said, for quite a while, for at least a year now, that PG&E is interested in divesting itself of these dams and most of all of the liabilities associated with them, the maintenance costs and the risk that something could go wrong, that you know an earthquake could take out these dams that are apparently not very safe. And as we said, we've been talking with a bunch of stakeholders about how we could configure a deal. What's now clear, though, is that there have been extensive discussions behind the scenes, which we are not being informed about, that involve changing the Eel-Russian River Commission, an existing joint powers agreement between Lake County, Mendocino County, Sonoma County, and Humboldt County, into an entity that will somehow take on the Potter Valley Project and keep it going. There's a bunch of questions that we don't know the answers to right now. Like, is there a public-private partnership element to this? Are they talking about bringing in a private company to run the dams? What are the roles of the Sonoma County Water Agency, of Sonoma Clean Power? Who's going to pay for this stuff? Who's going to cover these these tremendous liabilities? And most of all, how would this new entity taking over not just the physical dams themselves and the generators and stuff, but also the license to run them that the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission grants, how would they take that on and finish this relicensing process that we've been talking about? How would they get a new license, given what we know about the need for fish passage, the problems with dam safety, the problems with the toxic mercury in the reservoir? And unfortunately, I think we have to face the possibility that they've decided to just go around the FERC process and pursue a way to own and operate the dams, not as an energy-producing facility, but just to divert water to the Russian River. And, you know, I I think it's important to acknowledge the fact that this information that that we're getting is, is more about the things that people aren't saying and the holes in between the things that we know and that we don't know. And all of this begs the question, why? Right. Why are they doing this? Right. But let's talk a little bit more about what they are doing. Okay. And at that meeting last Friday, you know, we heard from PG&E, you know, basically, we're interested in selling this thing. If we don't sell it, maybe we'll just give up the license. But then the four representatives of Humboldt, Mendocino, Sonoma, and Lake Counties who make up the board of the Eel Russian River Commission sat together and talked about the ways to change the agreement that is basically the charter of that commission, of that body. 
And they made it very clear that they want to enlarge it. They want to include other government entities and other joint powers agreements in it. They didn't talk about why. They wanted, they noted some of its powers, that they have the power to get money, they have the power to spend money. And they basically went through a laundry list of the kind of changes that will need to be made if they're going to use this body as an instrument for acquiring, you know, and maintaining these dams and, and above all, the diversion to the Russian River. What they did not do was explain to the public why they are going to do it or what the outlines of the plan were. They basically told folks they have a plan, but they didn't say what it was. And this to us says there are reasons to believe that this plan is not in the public interest. Otherwise, you wouldn't be trying to hide the ball. If you actually wanted to address the really serious environmental issues at hand, you'd be telling us how you're addressing them instead of playing hide the ball. And that's definitely what we saw happening on Friday at the Ill Russian River Commission meeting. And so, again, this this begs the question – What's really going on here? We've gotten carefully phrased denials, hollow assurances, and the pieces don't add up. So, you know, I I, I don't want to go too far into conjecture, but anybody that's been in this, this fight for very long, it's really clear that there's stuff going on behind closed doors where, you know, our representatives are in closed door negotiations that the public is not privy to. And and it largely seems to be happening in the context of, of the Eel Russian River Commission as a joint powers agency. And maybe you could, could talk a little bit more about what this means and, and what it even is. Okay. Basically, you'll hear people use the letters JPA, and that can mean any of three things. It can be a joint powers agreement, a joint powers agency, or a joint powers authority. What we seem to have here is a joint powers agreement, but all of them are really essentially the same thing. They're a contract between local government entities to do things that any of those local governments have the power to do and do them together. And it's a pretty simple idea that's used a lot across California to basically coordinate action and get things done like fire protection and water delivery. You can imagine a lot of different reasons to do it. But it's also real clear that these agreements can often function in ways that make it very hard for the people that those local governments are supposed to be serving to actually understand what's being done in their name. There's a real lack of transparency in many of these entities. Because there's such a lack of transparency in so many of these organizations, there's also a real problem with accountability. And basically, you think about it as kind of a layer cake. If you have local governments sending representatives another level up to a thing like, in this case, the Eel Russian River Commission that's made up of representatives from four local governments, how do the citizens of Humboldt County get their voices heard at the Eel Russian Commission if they're just one of four votes? It gets even more complicated if that thing then becomes a group of many, many more governmental agencies and entities, which could actually include other joint powers agreements. So there's, there are some big picture problems with these things, but 
there are also some very specific problems with this joint powers agreement, the Eel-Russian River Commission. One of them is the 1978 agreement that sets this thing up says that even if one or more of the parties to the agreement withdraws, it continues. The only way to terminate this agreement is by agreement of all of the parties. So if Humboldt County decides that it doesn't want to participate in this water grab and pulls out of the Eel-Russian River Commission completely doesn't matter. It keeps going and continues to assert that it's representing the whole region. So we have lack of transparency. We have lack of accountability. And for those of us that are on the weaker end of the power scales, we have lack of power. Right. And it, and it tends to amplify those things. So all indications are that Humboldt County residents, Eel River lovers, fishermen, people all over that that care about the future of this watershed are are stuck on the wrong end of a one-sided power play. But we're being told, you know, that it's going to be great. It's a grand compromise. What what do you think's really going on here? I mean, I, I think we're honing in on... The, the problems and seeing, you know, seeing this as engaged observers and what's going on. But what's what's next? What what can we expect coming up here? So here we are stuck on the wrong end of a one sided power play. Yeah. And we're being told it's going to be great. It's a grand compromise. But it's hard to say when we don't know what it is. Yeah. And if that were the case, they'd be telling us what it is. And we would have been at the table negotiating it. What's very clear here is that the people we have been meeting with in good faith as stakeholders under the auspices of of Jared Huffman's ad hoc committee are not actually negotiating with us in good faith. They have cooked up a a scheme that they think is going to get them out from under dealing with the very serious questions we've been bringing to that table, which, as we've been talking about, have to do with how do we provide for the survival of Eel River fisheries and the communities that depend on them? How do we provide for the safety of Eel River communities downstream of these unstable and unsound dams? How do we get these questions addressed through a legitimate review process that makes sure that we're, we're actually dealing with the, these biological issues, these safety issues? And you know what we're faced with, as I, I told the Eel Russian River Commission members now, is, is a play that looks legal but completely illegitimate in terms of using a 1978 agreement to apparently serve as the basis for a move to acquire these these dams and keep them in place despite their impacts. This is not how we solve these problems in the long run. This is an attempt to kick the can down the road on the environmental impacts and seize the benefits of the Eel River dams. And that's just not going to fly for us. And I think the other part of the answer to your question is what what's coming next is we're going to be looking for legal and political leverage. We're going to be looking at the holes in these these plans as they become revealed. And we're going to be pointing out those holes with all the energy we can muster. And, you know, the, the fish are not going to come back until we get those dams out. So we are going to get those dams out. And if they were actually negotiating in good faith towards a solution that all involved parties could live with, 
they wouldn't have rolled it out at the Old Russian River Commission. It, it would have it would have been via the full stakeholder group where conservation and fishing interests have a seat at the table. And and the agencies charged with protecting these resources. Yeah. And again, I, I hate to end a radio show with more questions than answers, but that's where we are right now. Yeah. And and this begs the question of where is the due process? Yeah. Well, and I think it, it raises another question, which for me has to do with the performance of Humboldt County's political leadership. And, you know, for a long time, this incredibly beautiful, resource-rich chunk of Northwestern California has stood apart as a place where we have not only this tremendous natural heritage, but we also have people, a people, communities who really do care about them and are dedicated to protecting and preserving them for the future. And that's no longer the case. It's now very clear watching our leadership in action on the North Coast Railroad Authority issues we've been fighting over for so long. And now on this, that, you know, they they just don't support environmental values. They aren't interested in seeing our environmental laws enforced. They're doing their best to work around them. And frankly, I see the same thing happening with the commercial cannabis development. And you know, I, it, it's going to take a lot of work, unfortunately, to, to overcome this. But we have to start by facing reality that we are being badly misled. And that is definitely what we are seeing across the board here in Humboldt County, which brings us to our conclusion of, you know, what would you suggest the listeners here at at KHSU need to do to get more informed and involved in advocating for the future of our watersheds? Well, on this front, above all, I think we need to be asking questions. We need to know what is going on. We need to know what the plan is and why. Why Humboldt County's supervisors would be supporting Sonoma County in perpetuating a hundred-year-old water grab from the Eel River when we need those fisheries, we need our river back. But, you know, we're going to need an informed, active citizenry for years to come on this. It's going to start with asking questions, but it's going to continue with, with demanding change. You heard it, folks. Call your supervisors. And that concludes our show today. This has been the Eco News Report. My name is Stephanie Tidwell, and I've been your host for the past half hour. I was speaking with Scott Greeson, my colleague from Friends of the Eel River. If you have questions or comments about this program, please call our listener comment line at 707-826-6089. You can hear this broadcast again on the archive programs page of the station's website at khsu.org. The Eco News Report is produced at Humboldt State University in cooperation with the North Coast Environmental Center. Tune in again next week at this time for the Eco News Report.